0: I think universities would be serving our societies poorly if we did not insist on blended learning (laughs) because our students will not be able to survive if they cannot manipulate this environment.
1: The pandemic's most significant impact on higher education is the shift to online learning and teaching. But when we start to move back to campus, should we retain some elements of the online experience? Will blended learning, that's combining online materials with the traditional classroom experience, become the new normal? What benefits does this approach bring for both staff and students? The capacity
2: of the academics has been enhanced. We have had students also changing their attitudes and appreciating technology.
1: Does blended learning give students the freedom to tailor their own experience and perhaps learn at their own pace?
3: Blended learning is more engaging approach compared to the face-to-face learning.
1: We've heard in previous episodes that online learning can improve access to higher education and that it's critical for teachers, students, and administrators to be skilled in digital technology. We've also heard that changing attitudes towards technology is crucial. So what approach should universities take to make sure blended learning is a success? I'm Natasha Locken. Welcome to the Internationalist podcast from the Association of Commonwealth Universities. My guests are academics who have extensive experience in blended learning, combining online teaching and learning with a campus experience. They are Professor Jackson Tu from the Commission for University Education in Kenya and Dr. Luce Longsworth, Pro-Vice-Chancellor and Principal of the University of the West Indies Open Campus. But before we hear from them, here's Christine Koiner, a first-year information science student at Kenyatta University in Nairobi, Kenya. We asked her what she thinks of the blended learning experience.
3: The blended learning is more engaging approach compared to the face-to-face learning, enabling me to schedule and organize my learning, look up additional open education resources to improve my understanding of theories to therefore offer more flexibility in the learning process. I can also easily access resources like e-book, channels, videos and other multimedia resources Blended Learning gives me an opportunity to collaborate with other students in my class through discussion forums, chats, and do quizzes and assignments for which I get immediate feedback from my course instructor. On the whole, I believe technology has transformed the way we students learn in the university.
1: So for Christine, Blended Learning has been a positive experience, an improvement on face-to-face learning. The Partnership for Enhanced and Blended Learning, known as Pebble, has been helping universities across East Africa share teaching resources by developing quality-assured credit-bearing courses delivered through blended learning. The Pebble partnership is led by the Association of Commonwealth Universities, working with institutions in Kenya, Rwanda, Tanzania and Uganda, with technical partners based in the UK and Canada. The project is supported by the UK Foreign, Commonwealth and Development Officers' Sphere programme. Professor Jackson, too, is from partner organisation, the Commission for University Education in Kenya. I asked him why Pebble was instigated and what challenges universities in the region faced.
2: It came about in response to the challenges that the East African universities encounter in uh, delivering content to learners. We have a lot of challenges when it comes to academic staff. Uh, There are deficits for academic staff to serve in the public and private universities in the region. I'll tell you, for example, that in Kenya, we have 74 universities currently. About half of them are public, another half are uh, private. And you find that um, the qualified staff serve in the big universities but the upcoming universities hardly have staff so they use part-time academic staff and you will find that some uh, senior academic staff members serve in different universities so they end up moving from one institution to another and that is uh, very challenging in terms of time in terms of delivering quality content so blended learning is an intervention that comes in to promote quality teaching, quality learning with programs that are developed by qualified staff, which are packaged in a module and can be shared across the many universities. In so doing, it is possible to expand the access to university education and equity because we have well-qualified staff developing and producing quality modules that can be used online. And it is blended because we haven't yet reached a level where we can be comfortable that a programme can be offered 100% online.
1: The project's been running for several years now. What changes have happened as a result?
2: First and foremost, we have had the training of the academics in terms of appreciating technology, and having a better sense of developing modules. staff, Academic staff for the universities that have been participating, and even for us as um, a regulator, the change that has happened is that it has prompted us to review our um, QA mechanisms and framework for evaluating and assessing online programs. So number one the capacity of the academics has been enhanced. Two is that we have had students also changing their attitudes and appreciating technology. They are now better equipped in terms of technology use and technology uh, consumption. It has helped the regulators to review their, their tools of QA with respect to online learning that today we have been able to revise and borrow a lot, cross-referenced with the QA mechanisms that were developed for pebble learning. And it, that has been very, very helpful in terms of building the capacity, improving the tool to make it more robust and make it more focused to this kind of platforms.
1: I'd like to return to the point you were made about sort of attitudes towards technology and the phrase you use, an appreciation of the diversity of ways of learning. And, you know, we heard a little bit about from the student from Kenyatta, she finds blended learning a more engaging approach than face-to-face learning. And I wondered if you think that there's been a change or a shift in perceptions of blended learning.
2: The COVID-19 pandemic uh, visited us last year in March and universities were asked to shift their learning onto online or some format of um, technology, the institutions or universities that were already interacting with Pebble became the leaders or became the institutions that the others were learning from. There were some universities that were very quick. Those that already had made some investments in technology by investing in internet connectivity and other infrastructure that would support online learning were better off, but we had others that were completely still uh, behind and they have had challenges. So in a way, uh, the appreciation of uh, what uh, Pebble or blended learning was, those that were doing blended learning was concerned, now took it much more uh, seriously and helped them a lot. So before blended learning, there wasn't much seriousness about using this system. But those that have now interacted have come to appreciate. In fact, the awareness of Pebble during that period, last year now, is now well well known across the region. And many were saying, how can we join? What should we do to be part of this
1: family of
2: blended learning? So there is a, a demand.
1: And you mentioned earlier there wasn't 100% confidence in the idea of a fully online course. Is that related to some of these kinds of doubts or, or, or lack of seriousness, as you put it, around blended learning? Or is, or is that for other reasons?
2: I, I think, uh, Natasha, you will appreciate the fact that uh, not many people are comfortable with technology. If you belong to the old school, uh, like myself, that uh, perhaps didn't interact much with the uh, computers and uh, smartphones and the other, we are hesitant to Mm -hmm. quickly jump onto the new uh, innovations in technology. The the other issue that we have to grapple with is that of the tools, the equipment and facilities, because um, where we are in East Africa, not many academics may be owning a laptop or have access to a computer, that they can interact with all the time. There could be other priorities. So if you don't have a, a machine and a person that can also induct and train you, then you will feel very frustrated that you are being told to change, but you've not been given the tools and the know-how and the capacity. So you are more likely to feel disappointed and say, to help with this, let me do the things the way I have known. So those are the issues that uh, are around us all the time. Uh, like quite often, I have a young son whom I consult quite often to help me navigate the, the smartphone because they are more adept than I am. <laughs> so, but I too must have that um, understanding and willingness to learn because I know some people don't
1: want to show that they don't know. And can we talk about course content for a second we heard in episode one of the podcast about the challenges of software and other technology not being available in languages that are spoken in african countries and through the pebble project you know that's really about blended learning course content being developed within the east african region for the east african region how important is that
2: yeah it's key we know that There are some online modules that have been prepared elsewhere, but you'll find that the context in which they have been prepared may not be 100% relevant. And there would be need for the local academics to come up with their own content that is relevant to their contexts and relevant to their needs and resonates well with the learners. And that is an issue.
1: You mentioned earlier that, the profile of Pebble in the East African region is really high as a result of the pandemic, even though, you know, the project had been running for years before that, and that as a result, the Pebble universities have really been called upon for their expertise. What do you think other universities, even beyond East Africa, you know, around the world, what can they learn from the Pebble experience?
2: One, that it's possible to use blended learning and achieve your objectives of your lesson or your course, it can actually minimise cost of of learning. It can actually make learning be accessed from any quarter of the country.
1: And how do you see blended learning developing in East Africa in the future? The
2: future is bright. I, I see more and more people shifting towards blended learning. It will no longer be spreading a new gospel it is now the gospel has spread and I see more people coming on board.
1: So after overcoming some initial challenges the Pebble project in East Africa is gaining traction extending the reach of higher education for both staff and students. My next guest is Dr Luce Longsworth, Pro Vice-Chancellor and Principal of the University of the West Indies Open Campus. That's their online and flexible learning campus. UWI is a federal university covering 17 Caribbean countries, a structure similar to the University of the South Pacific, who we heard from in episode two. I asked Luce about the motivation behind distance and online learning at UWI.
0: The philosophy of the University of the West Indies from its foundation was to ensure that all peoples of the region of the West Indies had access In some way to education. And the idea of being able to do some amount of distance learning at the time, it was a combination of paper based as well as resident tutors who would teach in certain courses face to face while there would be examinations or curriculum sent by mail to the various islands. So the imperative was that we had to make sure that not just persons who had the financial ability or the freedom to travel to Jamaica which was the first and only campus you know for 20 years almost had access to further education the blended uh, approach was at the time the way to go, clearly, because of the technology. Um, for the most part, no, um, we certainly do, I would think, um, more than 70% of online learning, but it is still blended in that we do have some synchronous uh, sessions, and we do have courses that have 50-50 or 70-30, depending on the nature of the course. By pooling the resources through the technology, we can give everyone um, the same level of access to, to a higher education at the UWI.
1: That's clearly been a motivating factor from the start for UWI. And what we've heard in previous episodes is that institutions around the world see online and blended learning as a way to reach more people. What challenges would you say universities setting off on this journey are likely to come up against? And what What advice would you give them?
0: Many of our students had difficulties in that um, transition in the early days. And many of our faculty, I'll tell you a funny story that, uh, you know, I was heading one of the the regional campuses before I, I moved up in my career. And when we first started doing online learning, I was so upset because the students were upset and they were like, no, we want our tutors back into the classroom. And I was, you know, one of those fighting for them. Um, And as we saw that it was a matter of just changing your approaches, it was a matter of of ensuring that people were were confident that this was not an inferior product that they were being given. That was the key issue we had. the uh, people thought that online learning was, or, or even a blended approach, was an inferior product to sitting in a hall with 300 other students, with the sage on the stage, you know, there. And uh, that was a major hurdle that we had to overcome. And and we did that in in several ways. We ensured that our programs went through the same hurdles as all the programs of the UWI. And there is a single process, no matter which campus is putting forward programs. We ensure that our faculty were properly approved, that they were um, clearly qualified, but also that they were trained. And in a way that that put us ahead because we were giving um, pedagogical training to faculty, to tutors, who would normally have just stepped into a face-to-face classroom with no training, just their subject matter expertise. So we did quite a lot of work in that way to ensure that not just our students, but our faculty as well, our administration, our publics, our employers did not think that this was some kind of inferior degree. Uh, Our degrees do not say You know, a a Bachelor of Science online, it says a Bachelor of Science of the University of the West Indies. And in that regard, the University of the West Indies is very, very proactive and very ahead of the curve.
1: So, you spoke about the training you offer staff and continuing professional development. And I know that UWI recently announced the creation of a new interactive digital centre. And that's about developing content using augmented and virtual reality. How will those tools be used in blended learning?
0: or this this most recent development is is really one that is going to take us into another level of blended and online delivery. One of the the challenges we've had, and particularly in terms of, of growing access, has been how to deliver some types of programs online. And also because there are limited resources in terms of professors or in terms of laboratories and so on, it has limited how much we've been able to move fully into the STEM subjects um, online. This is going to revolutionize that particularly. So we are already uh, moving into a more global environment for the UWI. As you know, we've moved up in our rankings tremendously over the past three years. We're in the top 2.5% of universities internationally, and we are forming more and more partnerships and moving our content, our intellectual property, more to our global market. This is going to allow us to have more interactive types of, um, of programming, courses that will allow students to have real-time experiences without necessarily living close to somewhere that has a fully equipped laboratory or an experience. It doesn't even have to be in science. It can be in history. It can be in archaeology. It can be in architecture. But being able to have that fully immersive experience, which is, of course, going to accelerate their their learning. So we see this as taking us to the next level of improved learning outcomes for for our students, but also in terms of being able to continue to grow the university's reputation to attract students from other continents, um, other parts of the world without necessarily having the cost of movement. So internationalising our curriculum, internationalising our student body, this will be a major tool for the entire university now to be able to achieve those objectives.
1: On that point about broadening reach, the digital divide has been highlighted during the pandemic, how can cutting-edge tools be used to bridge that divide? So we've
0: we've always been very sensitive to, to that issue of equity um, across the region. And yes, COVID showed us this because we had students who could not come into our nodes. As you know, we have our centres across the region, which will provide adequate bandwidth and computers for students who don't have it. And when COVID came, we, we found that there were several without. However... One of the statistics that is interesting of this region is the access to mobile technology. So in Jamaica, I think it's um, 2.3 devices per person. Per person. Yes, uh, counting babies as well. So um, it, it is clearly the one that we are designing for. And the Eon reality platform that we have um, been uh, gifted with in with our uh, partnership with Eon has excellent mobile platform. So students are able to access the, the, the courses and programs quite easily on a mobile, on a smartphone. And we're finding that that is, is the way that most of our students are actually learning now not even as much on tablets, but certainly on their smartphones. And as smartphones become less and less expensive, it is clearly the tool of the future. So we are designing particularly for access on on mobile phones. And we we feel that is going to make a huge difference um, in terms of of our students' ability to access access As data becomes cheaper as well across the region, um, you know, we we can see going into the future that that will be the tool of choice.
1: Looking into the future and as countries start to think about what the post-pandemic landscape looks like, hopefully, will blended learning become the new normal?
0: I think it will be the new normal. We've been doing some surveys, and I've been reading some of the surveys being done in the U.S. in particular, and we're seeing an interesting split of students that say, well, you know, about fifteen to twenty percent say that they'd like total online learning; they don't need to go on campus. Uh, The others are between a blended or a face, a full face-to-face experience. Um, And as the world becomes more volatile, which is the future as we move more into the Industry 4.0 world? Or maybe we're even into 5.0. Some people are saying, where it's the technology and human interaction that is so important. I think universities would be serving our societies poorly if we did not insist on blended learning, <laughs> because. Our students will not be able to survive if they cannot manipulate this environment, because it's not just the, the educational environment. It's going to be their work environment. It's going to be their home environment. It's going to be finding a bus to go home or, or you know, booking a ticket to travel even now, that's the way to do it. So this has always been my concern when we had the resistance to online learning that our digital skills were not up to date in the region. We've been forced into it and, and, and our people are tremendously easy learners. So we we were seeing that that is, is no longer a fair. but I do feel that there may be forces that would wish to push universities in particular back to being the old traditional approach. And I would oppose that, because I think that this allows for a rich choice for a student. So my ideal would be that a student could want to spend one semester fully on campus so that they can enjoy the the social and, and cultural and learning experience but then say well next semester i want to work in this organization but i don't want to lose time so i'm going to do my courses online and not go on campus and it not be a problem that it's seamless that it doesn't matter i can just choose a course that's online and and that's happening in places already so so that's one, one model. The other model could be within any course, any program. There are those modules that the students can do from home and things that they can come in for where they have, you know again, a group experience and, and you learn from that kind of interaction with your peers. So I think it, it really has to be that our, our faculty now have to think of new pedagogical models, new curricula that will address the needs of our of our students who are going into a world that is changing rapidly with jobs that are disappearing so they have to be facile they have to be able to manipulate any environment that comes the augmented reality the virtual reality any environment that is coming they we have to prepare them for that so i i would really like to see universities moving towards a more personalized approach to the students' learning, where it can be left to the student to choose how they want to complete their degree and how they really want to learn. Um, And using, again, the university being influenced by the change in technology and the man-machine interface, using the tools to allow them to do that, so that they can have the best experience and be prepared for this world, which none of us really knows what it's going to be like, but we certainly know it's not going to be what it was two years ago.
1: So it's not just about giving students academic skills. It's important that they also have digital skills to prepare them for the future.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, you know, it, it was a shock for me to see how many people in the Caribbean uh, during the pandemic really couldn't manipulate um, simple online activities instead of going into the tax office, for instance, paying online and 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 you know the infrastructure that needs to be developed. And it's the universities that have to push that because this is the future. And the digital divide is not going to be so much a digital divide within a country. It's going to be among countries. So if we don't create digital natives, if we don't push it on all of our people to have a certain level of of digital literacy, our countries will be continuing to, to lag in terms of development. I think I'd seen that in something that the World Economic Forum had said maybe five years ago, that it's no longer going to be an issue of poor countries versus rich countries. It's innovative countries versus countries that cannot benefit from innovation. That's the divide, and that's the digital divide right there. So our role is to, to really prepare our, our young people and also not to forget those persons who need to know retool, because we can't forget those persons who have not been prepared that way. And our role as universities is really to move very much into, into professional skills development as well, and not see it as something that is not the role of the university.
1: So Dr. Longsworth is saying that blended learning is not just about new technology within universities. It's also about preparing students for the world of work and for our digital future. I'd like to thank Christine Koiner, student at Kenyatta University, Professor Jackson Tu from Kenya's Commission for University Education, and Dr. Luce Longsworth, Pro Vice-Chancellor and Principal of the University of the West Indies Open Campus. The Association of Commonwealth Universities is committed to highlighting the issues that influence learning and teaching in our world. In the next edition, we'll be asking, if blended learning is the new normal, where does that leave the university campus? Should universities focus on improving their online experience rather than expanding their campuses with new buildings? Are campuses still vital for the social, cultural and learning experience? Or will universities be digital first? So please do subscribe to the series wherever you get your podcasts and like, comment and share the programme. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. Just search for The Association of Commonwealth Universities. The Internationalist is presented by me, Natasha Locken, and produced by Jill Davis. It's an Earshot Strategies production for the Association of Commonwealth Universities.